the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation, welcome, welcome to another off-season podcast, moving into season six of the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Matthew Frazee, Kyler Neal, the star of tonight's show, Jamie Williams, and ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you the 130 FCS teams ranked with a stats top 25 voter, probably the only voter in the nation who does this, Mr. Jamie Williams. You guys know him as the you know weekly podcast host, uh, the individual who says Richmond sucks. But this gentleman is one of the hardest working stats voters in the nation. And so this offseason special, guys, is going through Jamie Williams. 1 through 130 ranked FCS teams going into 2022. Jamie Williams, my man, I got to ask, how have you had time for anything else? And what else have you been doing besides ranking these teams, my man? Oh, you know, it's a long off season. You got to have something to do. So you might as well start by putting them in order. And if you're going to rank 25, you got to rank them all because you never know who's going to go from the bottom to top and the top to the bottom. So a couple beach trips, but in the, in the interim, working on the rankings and uh, the results are what everybody is excited and waiting to see tonight. Yes. And if you follow our Facebook or our Twitter page for FCS Fans Nation, you've been seeing, we've been doing the team series. So every single day since like late May, we've had one team dropping on the page and you've been seeing Jamie Williams rankings for the team on there. A bold strategy, my friend, to put rankings out there for some teams that are in the 80s or 90s, pissing off some fan bases, but that's okay. Totally that's right. uh, comes with the territory, my man. Uh, before we start rolling in, we have a special announcement at the end of the show tonight, so make sure you guys listen through the entirety of this show. If not, fast forward all the way to the last five minutes because you can catch the news, but uh, just know this year we are going to be pushing hard to get our YouTube channel to one thousand subscribers we currently sit at 804 now this podcast has never ever done an advertisement we've never thrown anything at you guys before ever but what we will be doing until we hit a thousand subscribers on youtube is updating that number weekly when we kick off our weekly episodes so right now we're at 804 looking for 196 more folks on youtube to just click subscribe to the fcs fans nation network it's so simple. If you listen to us on Apple Apple Podcast, you listen to us on Google, listen to us on Spotify, just go on your YouTube app, click subscribe, and something special could be coming your way. We'll get more into that later, guys. Let's kick right into the episode. Um, Kyler, any first and final words for Jamie before we rip him apart on this one through 130? Oh, we are going to absolutely tear his pull apart. I've seen it. It's not good. Um, the, the greatest thing about this is there's out of how, how many stats voters are there, Jamie? Uh, I think there will be 52 or 54 this year. There were 50 last year. So Craig's added a couple. So you're one of maybe four stats voters that knows there are 130 FCS teams. 
So congrats. You're already one of the few with Craig, Sam, you that probably actually know all of the teams and the names. So this will be um fun. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do something like this where we're going to show you the trash all the way to the crown jewel of all the teams for this upcoming season. Um, who, who does this? I don't ever do 130 poll. I do my top 50. That's about it. So we'll, we'll see. It's pretty impressive, but I'm excited to rip you apart. I'm excited yeah, for that too. When FCS fans nation ran the top 10 poll, I did the one through 10. So pretty impressive having to rank those 10 teams. Uh, Jamie, let's get right into it, man. Before we start going through the teams, just tell us a little bit about how you ended up on the voting panel for the stats top 25. You've been doing it for a few years. And then what made you decide to go as far to rank all 130 teams? Well, I've been try I've been trying for years to get on. I would email Craig randomly years after year, say, Hey, here's what I, here's what I have. You need any more voters. And, you know, it really wasn't an option because I wasn't necessarily any type of media. Um, and then thanks to um, our buddy Lee, Lehigh friend, Chuck Burton gave me opportunity to, write for his college sports journal, uh, which I've been doing the last few years. And uh, after that, I kind of emailed Craig and reached out and said, hey, if you're ever looking for somebody, I'm still willing, able, here's what I do. Uh, he accepted me a few years ago. And before last year, I just kind of decided I needed to rank everybody. I started off, I, I had like 30 ranked. I was like, that's fine. That's plenty. That's 25 plus a few more that would jump in. And it didn't seem complete. So then I went to 40. Then I went to 50. And then I just took the plunge before last year. I said, I'm ranking everybody. So I ranked everybody. I rank everybody every week. I only show 25, but I rank everybody every single week. Um, because I'm anal and ridiculous. And I know that's very nerdy, but that's what I do. Dude, it's not nerdy. That's insane. And it's awesome and impressive. Nobody it, it puts can be themselves... nerdy and awesome and insane. Yeah. It, it can be all three. Nerdy is cool now, too. Like, that's yeah. not a bad term anymore. Like, that's there top notch. So, Craig. dude, kudos to you, and thanks to Craig Haley for letting Jamie come on to the poll, of course, um, just for him recognizing FCS Fans Nation, which is pretty sweet. He puts a lot of work and effort into those things, a lot of communication, lots of emails. So even the fact that he would welcome us onto that um, for yourself, Jamie, I mean, for us just being three dudes and you know our homes on podcast mics is really cool. So we really appreciate that, and shout out to Craig Haley and all the hard work he puts into those polls. Absolutely. I don't think people see how much work Craig puts into this. I know he can be a little divisive, but if you're in the media, you're going to be divisive. And uh, But I always appreciate Craig. And he's been basically the guy, him and Dave Colson from 25 years ago is all you could find if you were looking for back then one double A stuff. So uh, he's he's the guy. Yeah, you, you got to get sick of people constantly coming at you if you're Craig, though. You know, it's like LeBron or Michael Jordan back in the day. You know, you're just the to top of the top and you're just, you know, on Twitter, might as well let people have it. Eventually, you got to just push back on them a bit. That's right. All right, Jamie, let's kick right into this, my man. Let's get into your 2022 preseason rankings. Uh, I plug the YouTube channel, ladies and gentlemen, at the beginning of this podcast. Love you if you're listening on some other way, but we have live slides and presentation material going on right now. So click that subscribe button. Jamie, your 2002, 2022 preseason rankings. Let's kick it, my man. Let's roll. Right off the bat, we're starting off at the bottom dwellers, making our way up. Um, tell us a little bit, though, about some teams that aren't involved anymore. Yeah, so figured I'd address this right off the top. So Sam Houston and Jacksonville State are both playing FCS schedules this year, as we all know. Um, 
they have added their scholarships. Uh, according to Craig, we're not putting them in the stats poll. So when I place my one through 125 weekly, which I obviously will do every single week, um, they will not be in. But for the purposes of this episode here and having fun, I will show you where they would appear if I were to rank them. So you'll see these two teams appear as we go through the rankings. Awesome, my man. So sorry, Sam Houston. Sorry, Jacksonville State. You've left the legacy, but you will so, not be included. Yeah, so what do you guys think um, about Craig's decision to exclude them from the poll but allow the players to be eligible for their uh, individual awards? Kyler, what, what do you think? I'm a little bummed just because the main thing is Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State will never be ranked again in any poll. Um they're never going to make the top 25 of the FBS. They're not going to make the top 25 of the FCS this year. So I just feel a little bit bad. All right. But trolling aside, um, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, yes, they're playing a full FCS schedule. They're not truly an FCS team. They're, you know, a transitioning team where they're added extra scholarships. Now it's most likely the same talent across the board, but you know, maybe in, in fourth quarter depth scenarios, you're able to plug and play a little bit more, especially with the transfer portal that went on. So yeah, they are definitely competing at a, you know, every other team competing against them is at a little bit of a disadvantage. So I understand why they're not eligible in the poll. It's just kind of a little bit weird because we've seen teams able to get ranked in the past. And now either you agreed with it or you didn't back then it is what it is. Um, rules change. I can see why they're going to be ranked or why they wouldn't. The only thing that I question a little bit is they're not in the polls, but their coaches can still win awards. I, I don't really hate the players, you know, give the players their opportunity. They were FCS players when they were signed 99% of them. So give them that one little last opportunity, but the coach, if you're winning the best coach of the year and you had extra scholarships, eh, I'm going to say that's a little bit BS. So I get the players deserving awards, but if you're not going to rank the team, don't give any type of coach any type of postseason award either because that, that's more of a team stat instead of an individual stat, in my opinion. Yeah, my only thought on it, Jamie, is just uh, how would you uh, view a team like that beats Sam Houston or Jacksonville State because they have extra scholarships? Obviously, they if they're 0-3, they're not, it's not impressive as a win, but if Sam Houston's like 4-1 and and then an FCS team beats them, do you view that more impressive or no? It's it should be noted, and the committee should take note of it that they beat a transitioning team. It's like a half because it's it's not an FCS ranked win, obviously, but it's also not an FBS win at the time. But it should be noted, you know, that that this team went in and beat a team with the eighty plus scholarships. So I, it'll be interesting to see at the end of the year how those teams that potentially beat either of these teams are impacted uh, through seeds or. Uh, playoff slots or even on the bubble very cool man all right let's kick it past uh, sam houston and jacksonville state and let's talk a little bit about the bottom dwellers man i feel like this is almost tougher to do than the top three in fact i bet it is because the top three is one of them's north dakota state all the time uh but like new kids on the block is what you got labeled here tell us a little bit about the bottom dwellers dude yep well the way i approach it is New teams to the division all, always go to the, the bottom of my rankings to start. They can climb quickly. You'll you will see a couple years ago, Tarleton climbed quickly, but they started at the bottom. So we got three new teams. Stonehill College out of Massachusetts. I'll join the NEC, I believe. 
Lindenwood will be an OVC team and Texas A&M Commerce, a Southland team. Um, so they go to the bottom. Those That made it a little easier to put those at the bottom, but we did want to introduce them. These are their logos. Um, you won't see logos for everybody, but we wanted you to be able to see what, what these folks will be looking like. Um, question for you guys. Which of these three teams has the chance to make an impact the quickest as they transition into the FCS? Oh, I, I actually think two of them are going to be very solid FCS teams. So, I mean, you look at Lindenwood. For one, their location, I think, is prime. Um, especially in the OVC, right? Missouri, there, there's not there's there's a good amount of colleges, but there's a lot of talent out of Missouri. Uh, it seems like that program is really investing in their athletics. They already have a mindset that they want to come in here and destroy the OVC. You don't get a lot of D2 transitional teams that instantly think we can dominate and what you know make an impact in the FCS. I think Lindenwood is a program, not this season, right? I think they're going to have their struggles, but in the next five years. I think they could be a top tier OVC team. And then of course, Texas A&M. This, this is a, one of those D2 powerhouses. Um, you know, the, the big A&M program can kind of dish it, all the money they want towards Texas A&M commerce. So the nice thing is they are funded. Their stadiums, their facilities, they're all fantastic. They're not a bottom tier FCS program. And I bet you in the Southland year one, they're going to be a team. Maybe that won't win it all, right? S, you know, SLU, Southeastern Louisiana is going to be really tough. McNeese, they have their ups and downs. Um, Incarnate Word, I'm not too positive what they're going to be in the next coming years. But I would not be shocked within a very short amount of time to see Texas A&M Commerce being a playoff caliber team, even if they're not playoff eligible yet. Um, I, I don't think it's going to take very long for them to jump up the ranks of the FCS. I think they'll be able to do it faster than a North Alabama. I think they're going to be able to do it faster than quite a bit of transitional teams like St. Thomas. The only difference is that transitional period, who knows what they're going to do, but they got to wait three years before they really make that impact in the FCS landscape. But I, I do think they're a team to watch out for. Yeah. Kyler only likes those two teams because he likes lions and he's against the Skyhawks. So he's only going for the lion type teams in my opinion, Facts. but no, I think Kyler wrapped it up there. That's some really, really good Intel. So Bottom three, Stonehill, Lindenwood, and Texas A&M. Probably pretty wise to go with some new kids on the block in the bottom, Jamie. Moving us into, and of course, all you guys are now watching on YouTube. I'm sure everybody's floating to it and subscribing right now. Um, one Number 127 down to number 100 in your rankings. Jamie, yeah. what, kind of, what makes you put a team here and what kind of teams stick out to you in terms of you felt uneasy putting them this low maybe or maybe they all deserved it? What do you think? Well, these most of these teams were some of the worst teams last year. I didn't see a bunch uh, in their offseason that would tell me they would move any further hot up than where they are. You'll see you've got a lot of NEC teams. You've got the, the Pioneer, non-scholarship type of team. So it's kind of where you would expect them. A couple of teams in here that even in the last couple of years wouldn't have been this low. Looking at 113 Wofford. Uh, just recently, they have competed for SoCon titles. But they, last year, they won the first game of the year against Elon on a field goal with about 10 minutes left and then lost every other game. So that's just a team that just looks like it's destined to struggle again. But if they can get a quarterback to play, they're a, a team that I could see coming out of this uh, level here and moving up. And then if you look at Albany Great Danes a few years ago, Jeff Undercuffler as a freshman took that team to the playoffs and it's been nothing but bad sense 
Undercuffler has uh, since transferred. Uh, I believe he actually transferred to number 122, Eastern Illinois. Um, so we'll see if he can take that team any higher. So those are a couple of teams that I, I looked at that when I was putting it together, I was surprised they were there, but I feel like right now it's where they belong. Yeah, really good point out there. When like the, To see Wofford be below the Butler Bulldogs or, <laughs> I mean, even in the range where Albany, I mean, they were the new kid on the block. You know, they came in and gave NDSU a pretty tough game. NDSU, I think, only beat them like 28 to 10 in out-of-conference play. Um, it just kind of shocking to see teams like that be that low. You have some of your normal cast of characters like, you know, Idaho's, Idaho State's down there at 117 and um, Southern Utah has been pretty rough since their playoff appearance, you know, seems like half a decade ago now. But boy, Kyler, anything that sticks out in terms of a glaring error for you? I, I, I like that you went on a ledge there a little bit, Jamie, and took some of those programs in the lower ranks. I I don't think there's things with like glooming errors, right? Because it's hard to say there's an error when it's a preseason ranking. Uh, there's just a, a few teams that, you know, w- looking at Western Illinois right there, I do think that's lower compared to where they probably are capable of being right. They did actually, they had one of the toughest schedules in all the FCS last year. They didn't perform that well, but they also had what three total wins, something like that. Um, And they played like Southern Illinois close. They came back and played Eastern Washington close. They have a pretty solid offense, really bad defense. So it all just to see, like, let's see what happens with them. Let's see if they improve. Uh, I would probably put them up a little bit higher um, than maybe you're 105, right? Um, but also, it's hard to not see them there, if that makes sense. Like, they're, they're with a couple other teams that are probably going to battle them pretty close. The Wofford one is very shocking because, like you said, they used to be maybe not a SOCON power, but for a few years in the later part of the 2010s, they were one of the teams making quarterfinal appearances, making second rounds. And then you see them drop off. I always forget how bad they were last year. And normally I trash the SoCon, but this is kind of the opposite. I forgot how bad Wofford was uh, just because Wofford, in my mind, is that caliber playoff caliber team who is going to make a run to the second round, who's going to make a potential run to the quarterfinals. But yeah, they were really bad. And probably 113 is an accurate assumption on where they could be if they're not even slightly improved. If they're going to be improved, the good news is they can jump up fast, right? The SoCon is uh, a conference of full of a lot of good teams where if you can be competitive with some, you can upset some, you're going to jump up those rankings fast. The Cal Poly one I'm excited about because this is like the first full season where I, it's pretty much all Bo Baldwin's recruits now, right? There's no more excuses. Is he going to be able to elevate that program or is he just not able to get the same athletes he was able to get at Eastern Washington? 107. It's probably fair. They they were maybe even worse than that last year. So we'll just see. Uh, but this is like the first year of Bo Baldwin where most of the roster is now his players. So we'll see what type of change he can make with that program. Um, but no, I, I like it. It's it's hard to argue a lot of it. Um, a lot of really bad teams, unfortunately. Yeah, Jeff Undercuffler, the Akron Zips, is he's off to them. Um, okay. He initially uh, had Eastern Illinois basically all over his Twitter. Uh, but I guess he went to Akron, so off okay. to the Mac. Just as bad. But just as bad, yep. Um, so there you go. We're already 130 down to number 100. Let's get into... Can I, can I just make one quick point or yeah. ask you a question, Jamie? Go back yeah. to the last slide, Matt. Boom. Is Eastern Illinois, because they've had a lot of quarterback success, right? 
are they just an NFL quarterback away from being a top 15 team again? Is that <laughs> all that's missing with Eastern Illinois? The rest of the team is just trash. They are either live or die by the actual quarterback. It sure seems like it because they jump up and down this, these rankings based off of uh, what they had. And they've had some good ones. I mean, Romo yeah. and then to, you know, Garoppolo. So they've had guys, uh, but they haven't had it in a while. And they've just been more than trash. Uh, they've been garbage <laughs> over the last few years. They need a Tony Romo or a Jimmy G to save the day. Speaking of saving the day, maybe we're getting into the range where, Jamie, you're wrong at the end of the season, and maybe one of these 99 through 80s jumps up there. Maybe not. Tell us a little bit about this range of rankings you have here on the screen. Yeah, you see some SWAC teams there. I think that's where a lot of them fall. Unfortunately, uh, Ben Schleiger, this is where Northern Colorado falls um, because Ed McCaffrey hasn't shown the ability to take that team any higher right now. Uh, we'll see what he can do. Uh, we've got you know, a couple of MEAC teams. So it's spread out. We'll see what Robert Morris does, changing conferences. Uh, the fight in Kevin Marshall's Citadel is here. The Citadel is here at 87. Um, uh, Jamie, you have a spelling error um, in front of Citadel. You spelled the in all caps. I don't know why. Oh, you can, you I, did, can I did that for H Kevin. E. Oh, yeah, I did that uh, for yeah. Kevin to make him feel good. Nope, take that off. I think Ohio just, State is going to sue FCS fans. That's right. Take I think it off. That is just, just Citadel. Yeah, I think it's just Citadel. Yep. Let, yeah. me, let me consult Lawsuit. my lawyer. <laughs> yep, do it because we are going to be banned off YouTube just because of that bad air. Oh, that's I, right. That's a, a I, problem. I, I apologize Kev to uh, Troy Smith in uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State University. The dot the Ohio. I. We love we love messing with Kevin. Sorry, Jamie, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, Keep that, on that's going. Great. We love that's you, Kevin. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, any of these teams, guys, that you see could potentially do something in their conferences. Maybe Central Connecticut State takes the jump back up in the NEC, but. You know, they had that good couple of years, but they've been been down. So this is where they they are. You see anybody that can that jump and at least threaten the bubble? The 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 two major ones that I'm going to kind of look at right now, Grambling State, right? Maybe they're not going to be um, the swag powerhouse like Jackson State is, but stole mine. They got a great coach in there that's driving a lot of hype, getting a lot of talent in. And at the FCS level, once you start bringing in that talent, it's overnight success, right? Jackson State was not anything good for a long time. Dion came in. He changed the talent level. I mean, now the talent level is still quite a big difference from Grambling to Jackson State from what, you know, Dion's done. But still, they are bringing in tons and tons of talent. I would not be shocked to see them not towards the bottom of the SWAC, but maybe top three of the SWAC, maybe top four, something like that by the end of the season. And then the other one is is Colgate, right? Um, that's that's not Dang a it, name. Tyler. I know I'm you're just... welcome. That's not <laughs> a name got... no one knows, right? Colgate, they have been an historic FCS team that's had some ups and downs. Um, I think if they can get the ball rolling, they've shown at least enough in the past to know, you know, for us to go. Colgate's not a team you just look over. Yes, they are not in a great conference, right? They're in a one big conference to the playoffs. But they're just not a team that you're going to look over and just go, no matter what, that's an easy game if I'm a top 35 team. That's going to be a game you actually prep for. Where I'm looking at like a lot of the other teams on here, and I just go, you don't need that much prep if you're a top 30 team. Colgate's probably one you wouldn't look over right away. Those are the only two that I, I, I see that's it's not shocking they're this low, but I would expect to see them better towards the end of the year than where they're starting. Oh, look at that. Oh, the quick change. 
Oh, so good. It's a subtle change that no one's going to notice until you look right down at Jamie. This is why you guys got to be watching the podcast. It's not for the graphics. It's because Jamie just stepped outside the camera for 10 seconds. We thought he died. We thought something happened. All of a sudden, look at what he's wearing. Disgusting. What the freak is that? Hey, Matt, why don't you flip to the next set and let's look at uh, 79 through 60. All right, let's get to the next slide and let's see what you have and why you're wearing that shirt there, Mr. Williams. Number 79 going down to number 60. I see a little bright light in the background of your slide here, Jamie. Maybe some hope for these squads. Tell us a little bit about your ranking range here. Yeah, so you can almost guarantee that one or two of these teams will be in the discussion for a playoff spot the last week of the season. Uh, there's always somebody that comes from that mushy middle that could threaten. Uh, you see a couple of uh, CAA teams there. You got New Hampshire and Towson. Uh, I would say New Hampshire would be better than Towson, but we'll see how they do with the new coach. Um, congrats to Coach McConnell on his retirement, and uh, congrats to uh, previous CAA pain in the rear, Ricky Santos, uh, for uh, getting that job. Um, but you'll see at number 63, the Idaho Vandals. Um, so shout out Chris Hammond. Um, actually, the, looking through this, if I redid this, number 74, Samford, would have been on the previous slide. I think that team is just awful this year. They lost all of their skilled players on offense. Not all of them, but probably their top three or four. Um, quarterback and their best receiver and their second best receiver. So I, I don't see much coming from them. So I would see they're a team that – Heads down. Um, Murray State, maybe another team that heads up in a competitive Southland. Uh, hey, Matt, you want to go first? Anybody you see here that that is going to threaten somebody? So I don't. I actually want to agree with you pretty heavily in terms of the bottom half of the Missouri Valley. I'm not high on this year. I mean, you should never really be high on the bottom of a conference, but everybody talks about how strong the Valley is and every game is never a break. Um, almost almost too much. Honestly, I really do think Illinois state's going to be bad again this year. Indiana state brings nothing to the table. And I saw previously you had Western Illinois in the previous slides. So I think you're doing a really good job of placing these bottom tier Missouri Valley teams. I don't see any elevation out of them. I saw Towson last year, um, just bring virtually nothing to the table. So I'm focusing more on kind of the big three. I might be a big two now in terms of, are we starting to see them trickle into the fold here? And I just don't see any disagreement in that area. Kind of the same cast of characters that you would expect. We got some big fans of like Northern Arizona. Um, we got some fans for Bryant and Sanford, I know that are on the page, but I just don't have a lot of faith those teams are going to elevate or, or be anything better. So I kind of like what I see. SEMO at number 60. SEMO can always be a little sneaky, but I don't know if they're going to be much improved in 2022. Kyler, what do you got, my man? I mean, it is crazy just... Looking at this list, how far New Hampshire, how far Illinois State has fallen off? Because I think those are actually solid picks on where they're currently at. And those were teams, if you just asked three years ago, would they be closer to a top 10 or a bottom 60 team? You would all say they'd be closer to a top 10 than a bottom 60, right? Three to four years ago. So those two programs have fallen off pretty far. There's two programs that I want to mention. Um, and it's mainly because I'm familiar with one of them. And then the other one I've done so much research on because it's my team's number one game of you know the season, Tennessee State. What Eddie George is doing over there is insane. 
Um, if you asked me last year, yeah, they're probably 71. I think the, the amount of talent that's come in there, they're going to be much more improved this year than they were the last two seasons, especially last year. Also, looking at the size of their line, huge. Their average O-line and D-line are like 350. Like, it's it's insane. Now, they're, they're not, you know, the tall NDSU guys, uh, but they're still huge. They're probably one of the biggest lines, if not the biggest line in all of FCS football. So just having that type of line, and if you can control the line of scrimmage in the OVC, you have a really good shot to maybe come out as one of the potential favorites out of that conference. So that's one that I would say I think they're more close to a 50 team, right? Maybe 20 spots off. Not a big difference. These are all just splitting hairs when you do the bottom half. Then Northern Arizona, when I look at their schedule, I see probably five to six wins. So if you're having five to six wins, probably out of the big sky, Missouri Valley, you're still hovering around that number 40 to 55, maybe 60 spot. So I do think they're a little low uh, because, you know, they are still just building with their newer coach. Um, they got a lot of offensive weapons, so it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think they're going to have five to six wins out of this next coming season, which, I mean, for a lot of conferences, that puts you in a bubble tier. And 67 out of 130 is not bubble tier. So I think they will surprise a few people, but they're still they're further away from the top 25 than they are number 75. So, I mean, these are just splitting hairs, just kind of giving you some of my opinions on some of them. Most of them, yeah, it's, it's what they are. Idaho, we could see a big improvement with their new coach. If Ed can bring some of these players, some of the mindset, some of the physicality to Idaho again, Idaho can jump up real fast too. But, yeah, I mean, it's all pretty solid from 60 to 79. Just a few that are just dumbfounding when you look at the names. You're like, they should not be this low. And then you look at them, they are that low. Uh, it, it's crazy what the football landscape can change in just a few years. Yeah, beautiful ranking so far, Jamie. McNeese may be a little high for me. Uh, they're they're a popular name, but I think they had like a I think they lost to a D two team last year. They were really bad, and they they're falling on some hard times. But they are a program that hopefully can turn things around. But maybe a little higher rank there for the for McNeese. Matt, what do you what do you think about Murray State jumping into the Missouri Valley? Sorry, I'm kind of just stealing a segment here. No, no worries. Um, if you want to talk basketball, I don't think it's terrible. Uh, football, <laughs> right. though, it's... doesn't bring a lot to the table. Um, I would I would have literally invited St. Thomas if they could have pulled it off. <laughs> just Minnesota right there and a heck of a program. Just I think they would have provided even more value than a Murray State, but it is what it is. So For basketball but... in the Missouri Valley, Missouri Valley is a really deep basketball conference for a mid-major. So it made a lot of sense. But yeah, for football, it's just kind of like, hmm. Yeah, we'll and NDS, NDSU playing in the summit for basketball. They're like, well, this doesn't bring anything this doesn't to the help table you at for all. us. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out there for the racers. They got a cool horse that runs around the track. So I guess that's pretty sweet. Uh, Jamie, let's keep on going, my man. You've got them a little split out now here into segments of five as we hit 59 through 40 because we're definitely getting up there in terms of good quality teams. Tell us what we're looking at here, my man. Yeah, this is where you're going to start getting into those teams that you will see pop into the top 25 at some point throughout the year. Um, one team that I know I'm probably higher on than everybody else this year is Western Carolina. Uh, Kerwin Bell, uh, his second year on the job, uh, they started terribly. They did have a terrible defense last year, but the offense kept pace. Uh, but they lost a lot of games, and then they went on and won uh, four other last five games uh, to finish four and seven. 
picking up a couple upsets along the way. So I would look for Western Carolina to take a jump this year. Uh, you see two of the more recent FCS joiners here, Tarleton State and St. Thomas. Uh, I think they've both shown the ability to uh, be very competitive uh, within their conferences and uh, in the non-conference games. You've got a new CAA member, Monmouth. You've got the next new CAA member, North Carolina A&T. Uh, so you've got a lot of teams here that could really make some noise. Youngstown State, very dynamic running back, Julio McLaughlin. Uh, I know Sam Herter is a lot higher on them than a lot of people, so that, that's kind of a team to watch with their Chili Willie mascot. Uh, South Carolina State, I uh, may have underranked them a little bit. Uh, Buddy Poe, Oliver Buddy Poe, uh, put on a clinic in the in the uh, Celebration Bowl last year and just demolished Jackson State. I'm probably a little low on them. Uh, they always compete. Uh, tons of respect for South Carolina State. But I would bet you at least three of these teams, if not more, wind up in the rankings this year. I am interested to see what Campbell can do uh, in a big South that no longer includes Kennesaw State. Man, I just have to disagree with you and Sam on the, the Youngstown State thing. I do not understand that love and joy. Is it because last year their three wins, which is all they had, um, was over those like really good teams like Incarnate Word, and I think they beat Southern Illinois at the end of the year. Is it is it the hope of those three wins that makes them you know better? They're, I'm looking at their schedule in 2022. They're, they're going to beat Duquesne and Dayton to start the year, and then they'll lose to Kentucky, so they'll be two and one. But then I just don't trust them to get, you know, man, I don't even know if I would put them at six and five or anything. Uh, I just do not have faith in those Youngstown State Penguins. I'd have them a lot lower. Everything else looks really good. I love your South Carolina and North Carolina AT&T placement. Uh, I think we could see some improvement there. The main Black Bears definitely surprises me a little bit. I know they were they did okay things last year, but Man, I think this is where you start to get a little more nitpicky because you're just so – this is like where you want to see teams starting to get fringe top 25. What do you think? Am I being too harsh on you? No, no, you're not. Um, just so you kind of open the – pull back the curtain a little bit. When I'm looking at this year's placement, I look more at how a team finished versus the whole season as a whole last year. So that's why Youngstown State is as high as they are. If you look at them as a whole, they're probably on the previous slide or maybe at the top of this one. But looking at what they did to close the season, same thing as Western Carolina, um, they, that's why they get a little bit of a bump just because of how they finished the season. Uh, Kyler, is that a flawed logic? No, I don't think it's a flawed logic. Um, it can be a solid logic even if I don't agree with you, if that makes sense. You also have, I could have flawed logic. You also have to be predictable too, right? It's not fair to like look at last year the way right. kind of my mentality is at. Uh, just for this podcast to play devil's advocate a bit to be like, well, last year they did this, you know, we're trying to predict 2022. So you have to go out on a ledge a little bit. So I respect you there. Of there's, course. There's a few things I love on here. There's a few things I hate on here. There's a few things that I'm on the fence on and I have no clue. And I can see either way. Um, one of them is St. Thomas and San Diego. Um, I don't like that. I think they are up a little bit high. They are in a non-scholarship league. And we saw Kyle Polly, who was dog awful last year, right? They were bad. We can all agree on that. You ranked them, what, 113 or something out of 130? Really low, right? They they handled San Diego. Um, I mean, that's just the reality that San Diego beat St. Thomas. So, you know, when, when you have a non-scholarship league, yes, San Diego, they've actually had a few playoff wins. 
I just don't think that they are near the top 50 in the grand scheme of things when they are still yearly, whenever they play a big sky team in the out of conference, like Cal Poly, they lost by 11 UC Davis. They lost by 50 Montana state. They lost by 40. It makes it hard to really rank them. And then I, since St. Thomas lost to the only two pioneer, good pioneer league teams they faced, I don't think that they should be that high. Right. I think both of those are probably closer to 90 than they truly are 50. I also don't like Tarleton state this high. I think they are a program with a lot of promise. But they also, out of six of their wins last year, three of them were versus D2 teams. One of them was versus Lamar. And then they lost to Southern shit Utah. SSU. So, I mean, <laughs> there's, I, I don't think Tarleton State is going to be as good as most people are thinking they are right now, right? It's, it's a low, low build like North Alabama. They got a lot of promise, a lot of spice heading their way. They already are seeing the FBS neon sites. Um, they're building a 24,000-seat stadium. I just don't think they're close to top 50 yet. I think it's going to be a few more years of getting the players in there to really be competitive. You can't lose to Southern Utah and be in the top 50 or near it. Um, so those are like two that I really do not like. I love the Mammoth and I love the NCAA picks. Those are right around where they are. My um, I put South Carolina State as number 33 in mine, so having them 40, that's not a big difference, right? I can deal with those. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of the St. Thomas, San Diego, Tarleton State pick. And then Campbell, I love where you put them, right? Phenomenal, phenomenal classes where a lot of people think if they beat Campbell this year, that proves that they're a top 10 team because of how great Campbell's classes were. No, they got a lot of talent, a lot of freshman talent. It's going to take those team, you know, players a few years to develop before I even give them that much credit. Campbell's won three of their last 19 games. They're not top 25 caliber like most people are saying they are. They're just not. I like where you put them. I would have them closer to 60, but 51 to 60, it's not a big difference. They're right in the middle of the pack of the FCS, right in the middle, and that's where they should be until proven otherwise. You can't win three of 19 games and just have a great freshman class and go all of a sudden we're the best in the FCS. No, you're, you're where you are. Keep improving yearly. 50 is very fair. 51, very fair. I like it, and I'm really, really excited to see where we go next, gentlemen. Ooh, that is a good shirt. That's a sexy-ass shirt. I got the black one, and I love it. I got the black one, too. It's so comfortable. Yeah, it's so nice. Dude, I wear it to sleep all the time. Allison's like, you love that shirt. I was like, it's so cozy. It's so yeah. soft. It right. makes you feel like Will Siler's hugging you, too. So, oh, you know. beautiful. Those muscular arms. Jamie Williams back on the screen, rocking the UCA Bears. You, you put Austin P as 41. I put mine as 42. So that just shows you some of these. We are right neck and neck with each other. Great minds think alike. Well, let's see if you think the same way as we roll into right outside the top 25 on the screen. If you're watching with us, Furman, number 39, all the way down to number 26, Central Arkansas. Mm. Jamie, tell us about these teams, my man. All right. So you're going to have a lot of teams in here that we're going to be talking about a lot this year. Playoff potential, conference title potential, conference spoiler potential. Um, one team that I am not sure of, honestly, and they're, they're in here, is Incarnate Word. Um, they did get a, a transfer quarterback from Nichols. I, I'm not as high on him as, as Sam is. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback. He's not going to be anywhere in the realm of Cameron Ward. Um, 
but going from the WAC back to the Southland, I, I think this is probably a fair assessment of where they'll wind up. I'm pretty excited to see what William and Mary is going to do. Mike London has been building something there. They can run the ball. They play solid defense. I, I think that's a team that's going to give some teams fits. I wish South Dakota's schedule was better because there's a ton of talent on that team. But gosh, they've got the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the schedule. They've got a tough schedule. Uh, you see Jacksonville State here. This is where a first of our transitioning team shows up at number 30. Uh, we got the Rattlers of Florida A&M. So I think we've got a lot of really good teams in here, um, some playoff potential. Of course, some of these will have some dud years, but uh, I, I think we've we've got some teams that we can start keeping our eye on as we start getting closer to the bottom. And uh, Furman here, you actually put them at 39 instead of top five. I was yeah. interested to see that. Hey, in all seriousness, of course, I look into Furman like crazy. Their four losses last year outside of NC State, which is FBS, Mercer beat them pretty bad. But East Tennessee State, who people are super high on, they only lost to them by four. And I don't think their class was overwhelming in terms of senior loss. So maybe Furman a little bit higher per chance. Um, tell me a little bit more about uh, that Rhode Island Rams and South Dakota Coyotes, Jamie. I like how you have them right on the fringe of top 25. Uh, Rams last year, really hot start. USD sneaking into uh, the playoff field there as well. Um, they played against that Southern Illinois battle, which was really huge. What makes you put them right on the outside and not consider in that top 25? I'm just, just out of curiosity. Yeah, I, I think Rhode Island was right there. They just didn't have quite enough consistency for me last year, especially coming down the stretch. Uh, Jim Fleming's been there a long time. He's had some okay teams, had some terrible teams. Uh, looks like they have a little bit of talent there. They've got a decent quarterback, but it's not enough to convince me to throw them into the top 25 right yet. I do think they will compete in the CAA, uh, but I, I just don't see them right now as a top 25 team. And obviously we haven't seen Sam Houston yet, so you know they're in the top 25, which means when I submit uh, to Craig Haley for the stats poll, Central Arkansas will be my top, my number 25 team. Hmm. Very cool. High on William and Mary as well. Kyler, what do you think, my man? Are, should we tear Jamie apart here? Do you feel like some of these teams should really be up in that top 25? Um, no. Yeah, actually, yes. One of them, one of them I do. But before I tear Jamie apart, I just want to explain some of the similar picks we have, right? He has Furman at 39. I have Furman at 40. Pretty similar, right? Then I have, um, let's see here. You had William and Mary at 34. I had them at 36. Pretty similar. Jacksonville State at 30. I had them at 30. Then you had Rhode Island at 28. I had Rhode Island at... 29, right? So we're, we're doing a lot of very similar one-off, really close teams. Um, the one I don't like is Davidson, right? Uh, I, I just, like I said on the last slide, and maybe you can call me a Pioneer League hater. I just, without scholarships, you're already at a disadvantage, right? The recruiting is not the same. I just don't think Davidson is going to be a majority of these teams in the top 50. If they played 10 times in a row, I would bet most top 50 teams against Davidson against San Diego. Sure, they can surprise people in a one-game, one-off win, but in in like a 10-game series, I just don't think they're going to have enough stamina to really get through it. So I, I would put Davidson closer to 50, still running the Pioneer League, so that's the one I would have out here. Then I have Central Arkansas I have at 41. 
that is one where they've, they've taken a little bit of foot off the gas in the last few years. Maybe they're going to go back to being that central Arkansas team that we saw in 2016. Um, and, a, you know, a few of these other years, or maybe they're going to create this trend where we're not seeing them as really a playoff caliber team anymore. So I don't know. I want to see more from them. That's why I put them at 41 instead of hovering out around the top 25, but South Dakota, I have them at 17. Um, I think they are much better. I like your reasoning for ranking them there, right? They were um, young. But until, they were young, young. but until they lose those games on their tough schedule, I want to give them the props because I do think they're a top 20 team. It just, sometimes you get a shitty, shitty hand dealt to you, right? You got a really difficult schedule. You got to play through it. I mean, Eastern Washington, we'll talk about their schedule. I'm sure pretty soon they, they have a schedule where if you're not a top 15 team, you're going to struggle on that schedule. South Dakota, same thing. If you're not a top 15 team, top 10 team, you're really going to struggle with that schedule. So I put them in my number 17 spot because I do think they're top 20 caliber by the end of the season. Sure, after their, some of their losses, and maybe they don't have a quality win, then they'll keep moving down my pole. But until they lose those, I have them in the top 20 because that's where I think they are. The rest of it, I like a lot of your picks, and so many of them, probably half of them, are within three picks off from mine. Just there's a few differences. Uh, only change I would make here, I had North Dakota Fighting Hawks at 131 as an NDSU fan. So, yeah, I didn't have them all the way up that high. Makes sense. Uh, Best team in D2. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's keep it rolling, Jamie. Hey, my man, let's get into the top 25. That's top right. 25, This is these are the teams that you have faith in. Playoff field caliber for sure. Are you ready for me to go to the next slide or you want to give some intel here? Well, you know, I, I couldn't let this thing go through without throwing a slide with purple and yellow uh, that we've moved up. But, you know, I just had to throw that in there. Um, this is so just yeah, Northern we'll, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. They're always number 25. And so this is perfect. <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, we can uh, go on and let's talk about our top 25 teams. These are the teams that uh, we'll see. And coming at 25 is Neon Dion and his Jackson State Tigers and their awesome recruiting class this team is probably going 11 and 0 and they won't go much higher than about 16 to 18 on my rankings because they play no one they are excited about uh their tough matchup with campbell and that's the best game on their their schedule outside of maybe florida a&m so they are definitely worthy in my opinion talent level of the top 25 but not much higher than that so that's where i go there um we're going to go on, look at number 24, will be the Mercer Bears. Um, I'm high on this team in the in the SoCon this year. Um, got a little bit of a downgrade on them uh, this week when I was looking through the roster and found that running back, stud running back Fred Davis was no longer on the roster. Um, nobody can figure out why. Talked to Sam Herter. I've talked to Kevin Marshall. Very tight-lipped there, Mercer, why he's not there. Uh, one thing they did do is go out and get a couple of transfers. They have Austin Douglas from James Madison and Fred Jackson from Coastal Carolina to hopefully fill that void. Uh, they've got some really young but experienced guys on defense led by Isaac Dowling. I think this is a team that could potentially threaten in the SoCon. At number 23, uh, I've got Holy Cross. Uh, I, I like the way that team plays. They give uh, Villanova fits in the playoffs last year, uh, but I think this is about right for them. Uh, 
in the in the Patriot League, and I, I think that's about where they belong. Um, so they're at 23, solid offense, uh, strong, strong defense. Uh, let's see if they can repeat their success. Uh, number 22, a lot of people's picked to win the CAA this year is Delaware. Uh, I think they are probably going to wind up um, easily as one of the top three teams in the CAA when this year is done. Um, and you can see that they're probably the third one uh, in the group. Um, solid team here. Uh, new coach coming in, Ryan Cardi, previously the offensive coordinator at Sam Houston. So excited to see how he develops Nolan Henderson and the rest of that offense. And at number 21, uh, the team that sucks, it's Richmond. Um, but you know, I've been saying since about March, this is my dark horse pick to win the CAA. Always have a good defense, uh, led by Tyler Dressler, uh, should be a senior linebacker this year. Brought in Reese Udinsky and Jacob Harris, both previously at VMI. Uh, Udinsky did take a stop off in Maryland last year. Uh, good run game, good offensive line. This is a team that is going to scare some people and could make a little bit of a run. So if you want to hit one more, you'll see our whole bottom uh, quadrant of the top 25. Um, Kyler, Matt, reactions on how we started the top 25 here? Yeah, a little, little bit of differences, um, but not drastic ones. I mean, the main, main two are Delaware and Jackson State and then Richmond for me. Holy Cross and Mercer, they're right along there with mine within like literally two spots. So it's it's not a big difference for me. I think the talent at Jackson State is just too dang good. Now, yes, they were out coached by South Carolina State, right? Right. We saw it in the celebration bowl. Those were first year coaches, right? Now they got a little bit of time, a little more experience. They're continuing to only get more talent. And we saw what their talent did in just one season. 11 wins, right? I think they in terms of talent, they're just a top tier team in the FCS. Uh, and we'll just see what the coaching does. So I actually put Jackson state at 18 to start, not a big difference, only seven off, but when we're in the top 25, seven points are quite a bit. I think Delaware, I put them at 15. Um, all the points you mentioned, a lot of people think they are going to win the CA. I don't doubt that. And then I put Richmond. I'm just not as strong as a believer as you are in them, uh, but right. it's still, it's not a big difference, right? I, I put them at 28. So Right there, they are still a playoff caliber team, I'm predicting. They're either going to be inside the bubble or outside the bubble. Not a big difference. Again, we are slapping hands on seven different spots now, but it's a top 25. So these are where seven spots are quite a bit different than maybe 60 to 90, if that makes sense. Man, I am super high on Richmond. I really like that selection. I just looking at their defensive statistics last year and what they returned, such a good, strong defense, just missing some offensive firepower. And then you bring in the stud quarterback, the stud receiver coming from VMI. And I think that is enough in that in the CAA where you can add in a few other surrounding pieces to those two and hopefully have a quality run game and just do so, so well. So I really like Richmond this year, and I love your pick right there in the top 25. Um, and then even look at their schedule in terms of being a beneficial they're, they're going to play Villanova at home midway through the season. They're going to get New Hampshire at home at the end. They do go to Delaware, but they get William and Mary the last week at home as well. So I just like their setup for a good, successful season. Um, Jamie, you've said in the past, unless you, you've kind of just tweaked things a little bit, that you think Richmond could win the CAA. You have big belief in that, despite that you, you know, the ticks suck. Um, 
with, with that, is is that where you put the CAA conference winner now with James Madison out of the fold? Like, are they could is that how bad the conference has dropped down? If or, or is this just where you feel like they will be in the top twenty five? Am I viewing this wrong? No, I, I think the CAA is still going to be very tightly packed. I think we saw a number of teams in the on the last slide in the CAA, so I, I do think you'll have a team hovering near the top 10 and then a bunch of teams at the back of the top 25 until they start, kind of sort it out and see who's going to take the reins with, with James Madison gone. Um, obviously we haven't gotten to Villanova yet in these rankings. Um, and I'm probably too high on Villanova to be honest when we get there. So uh, foreshadowing. Um, but I think these two Delaware and Richmond, I feel like this is where they need to be. I, I can see why Tyler would have them at 15. I think there's talent there. Um, Richmond's got to prove it. Uh, they were up and down last year. They had a lot of injuries, uh, especially with the quarterback position. But if you look at when Joe Mancuso was actually uh, active, that team was much better. And then when you get a major upgrade, Reese Udinsky, that's kind of where I see them being able to elevate. But they start at 21 because I still need to see it. Absolutely, man. Very cool. Well, let's keep it rolling here into your top 25. There we go. I knew it. I called it. Keep my my thing in there. I said he's going to have Eastern Washington in it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Jamie, back with us. You're all watching on YouTube now, and you've all subscribed, I'm sure. He now is rocking the red Eastern Washington hat, the UCA Bear uh, T-shirt, which is going to get us into our next slide, rolling into number 20 on Jamie's poll. Jamie, who do we have here? We've got Weber State, and I know there's going to be a lot of people that say, how can you put them that high? Look what they did last year. Well, if you look at what they did last year, they did it with a lot of adversity. They still have a great coach. Hopefully they come back with a little bit of consistency. I know Rashid Sahid is no longer there, but I still feel like this is a top 20 team. So uh, call it a little bit of bias, uh, but I still like Weber State, and I like them at, at 20. Uh, if we go on to number 19, uh, this is our highest Ivy League team. To me, Dartmouth is the best team in the Ivy League. Uh, I think this is about where they fall. Um, we'll see how it plays out for them throughout the year. At number 18, uh, we'll see how this plays out. Um, it's always hard to replace a Walter Payton Award winner. It's almost impossible. And Eastern Washington, if somebody can do it, it's Eastern Washington. Look at their quarterbacks over the last decade and a half. Um, I'm not even going to try to do it because Kyler will do it way better than I will, but I'm going to bring them in at 18 and, and let them show me what they can do. Uh, they could be four and seven. They could be eight and three. We'll see. Uh, number six, uh, 17, uh, we have the Chattanooga mocks. Uh, I think this team winds up higher than this and maybe quickly. Uh, this is a really talented team. Uh, they had some deficiencies on offense last year, especially at the quarterback position. But their running back, Alum Ford, still ran for over 1,000 yards, still had 11 rushing touchdowns. That defense is tough, uh, led by Devonsha Maxwell, who should be in the discussion for the Buck Buchanan. Yeah. Uh, watch out for Chattanooga to really make a run in the SoCon this year and take a real heavy swing at East Tennessee State and everybody else in the SoCon. And at number 16... Danny Johnson, your Southeastern Louisiana Alliance show up right here. Um, let's see how they replace Cole Kelly. That was a high-octane offense. Will it still be high-octane? We will see. 
but they still are probably the class of the Southland Conference. So I think that's probably about where I have them coming in. I could see them trickling down a few slots uh, early in the season as they get reacclimated. So there's 16 through 20. Uh, what do you think, guys? Yeah, um, Dartmouth, I have at 22. Not a big difference. Chattanooga, I have at 16. Not a big difference. Uh, Weber State, this is where people are going to call me biased. I actually put them at 14. Uh, kind of the reason why is a lot of the things you just mentioned. For one, they had one of the most brutal schedules last year, right? They did, and they were doing it with a third-string quarterback. When they were finally getting healthy, not even in the running department healthy, they went toe-to-toe with Montana State, who played in a national championship game, right? That was a one-possession game. Weber State had a chance. I actually thought they were playing better than Montana State most of it. They came, they beat Eastern Washington. The last half of their, you know, schedule slate, they were more healthy than they were the first half, and they rattled off some wins and some close games. I think if they are playing not just their third-string quarterback, but their first-string quarterback, they win some of those games they lose, Um, especially if Josh Davis stays healthy. He was a Jerry Rice Award winner. He has been unfortunately injured the last few seasons. So we'll see if their running backs can stay healthy, if they get an improvement on their quarterback play because it was dog-awful looking at their third stringer. And even their first stringer was a freshman, a, a true freshman trying to learn the pace of the game. That was a first ringer. Everything should be improved defensively. They are always going to be really good. So I actually think a healthy Weber State is a quarterfinal type of team, a non-healthy Weber State, probably more like what we saw last year, which they still the same record as you and I, a same similar strength of schedule as you and I. They could have easily been in the bubble if they just beat one of their rivals in Northern Arizona or whoever it was at the end of the season where they normally beat them. But those are weird close games. Other than that, Eastern Washington, I you have at 18, I have at 19. Yeah, we have a lot to replace. Um, Southeastern Louisiana, you have at 16, I have at 23. So I think, at least with Eastern, they have shown with their recruiting, they've replaced every single player we've ever had, right? Um, Southeastern Louisiana, I still want to see it first. Uh, but yeah, with Eastern, you mentioned it, you got to go back 20 years where you're not finding a top three quarterback in the FCS in terms of stats, right? Um, they, they had one player, Matt Nichols, back in the day in 2006. That's the only one who didn't finish in like the top 25 of quarterbacks. But also at the end of his career, he is literally a top five, top 10 quarterback in FCS history and for his career numbers. So it's one of those things you go, all right, if any team can replace their quarterbacks is Eastern Washington because they have shown it before. Every time we lose a quarterback, Gage Gruber, you go, how can anyone be better? Then Eric Berry comes around. Uh, Vernon Adam comes in. How could they replace Vernon? Gage Gruber comes in, uh, and he torches it, breaks the FCS record for most yards in the season. How could anyone be better than Bo Levi Mitchell? Well, Vernon Adams came in. How could anyone be better than Eric Meyer? Well, Bo Levi came in. So we just have a history, a history. Walter Payton Award quarterbacks. Uh, this season is going to be a little interesting. Uh, a lot of people don't think we have the talent, but I think the running game is going to be drastically improved this year so and we have two dudes on the defensive line who look really good chattanooga i like that pick though i have them at 16 you have them at 17 they have two nfl caliber defensive linemen on their roster right that is going to be a nightmare matchup for most fcs offensive lines when you not they probably have the number one pick out of the fcs next year right pretty close to it a top two pick and then their other guy you're probably going to see him in the later you know seven round if he decides to go or not so yeah chattanooga 
good luck being an offensive line going against them. You're going to have a really tough day. Yeah, good. Uh, really like the Mox pick. I don't know if I'm that high on Weber yet. We'll see. Um, are they going to start throwing the ball? I mean, I don't know. Montana. They have to v- travel to Montana. Uh, or I apologize. They will get Montana at home. They'll travel to Montana State, and they play Eastern Washington, who's going to be right around the range. You have them, Jamie. I think it's going to be a tough sled ahead, even if they are healthy. So I'm not as high on Weber yet. I don't know if I would have put them up into the top 25, but it's a great prediction to go that route. And I, yeah, I'm just super intrigued to see how Eastern Washington and Southeastern Louisiana do without the quarterbacks. You obviously have more faith that Eastern Washington has a guy who's going to lock and load right away. But I like it, man. And very intriguing. I'm excited to see what comes next. It's it's just fun to see without Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, James Madison involved, kind of what cast of characters we have here. So, Jamie, uh, let's get into the top 15, my man. Let's go. And the one thing, just from about five to... 22 or so throw them in a blender it's, it's pretty tough uh but starting and a lot of you'll see some of these uh middle top middle of the uh, big sky you've seen a couple of them uh just in the last slide you see a couple more coming up here uh starting with number 15 uc davis um this is one of the teams i can't ever ever figure out but my personal bias for them is i love their coach yeah i love dan hawkins it's division one football uh Google that. That's a that was a great rant. Um, I think he always has that team ready to play, so I don't think they're ever going to get smoked, um, and they're probably never really going to blow anybody out. They're going to be in every game, uh, so I've got them at fifteen. Uh, we'll see where they wind up next. Probably get a lot of heat for this, but I've got Northern all the way all the way up at, at fourteen. I think there's talent there. I know they just lost Trevor Penning, but his brother's there. And I think. Uh, listen to an interview with their coach, uh, actually with Joe DeLeon, a little shout to the hacks. Uh, good, um, good interview there. Uh, they got Mark, he got Mark Farley and Farley said that from a talent standpoint, a work standpoint, it seems the younger brother might be a little bit ahead of Trevor at this point and Benny Sapp on the back end. And, uh, they've got a couple receivers. We'll see if they can get that offensive going though. Cause that's the big difference. At 13, uh, one of the surprise teams from last year. I don't see much drop-off in uh, Jason Simpson's uh, UT Martin Skyhawks. Um, I like that team. Uh, they should be the top of the OVC again. Um, the OVC has been a, been noted as a conference that does have a you know repeat champion as Jacksonville State kind of took hold for a few years. I, I think UT Martin has the talent to do that. Um, number 12, I have Sacramento State. Um, they get... They belong here because they won the Big Sky the last few years. Um, I know they didn't play any of the top teams last year. Uh, they flamed out, but I'm giving them a little respect by putting them at 12. And at number 11, just outside of our top 10, uh, here's our highest-ranked CAA team now that JMU's gone. It's Villanova. Uh, I think they deserve to start here. I'm not sure they finish here, and I may have overranked them a little bit, to be honest, because they've got to replace us stud quarterback they still got a couple of good receivers they'll have a good defense although Forrest Ryan is gone uh, but that team always has a good defense that team always has a decent enough offense so we'll see what they do Um, will they be able to move up from 11 will they drop down will they stay in that little middle range there Um, I think it's a playoff team Uh, we'll see if they can uh, stay at the top of the CAA or if they fall down in a couple notches I am going to predict Sac State to not be in the top 25. 
I am as uh, you guys may, uh, one of our fans made us pick a team we can't stand. And I picked them because they're just playoff uh, pretenders when they get in there with their easy big sky schedules, but lock and loaded this year, they're going to earn it for you. Jamie Williams, if they get through it, they're going to you and I, and they're out of conference schedule. And then they're going at Colorado state. Heck they might be Colorado state. Um, but they play at Eastern Washington. They got Montana. Um, honestly, Idaho is up and coming. I got a lot of faith in their new head coach at Weber State, UC Davis to end the year. So it's no joke in terms of the big sky slate they're going to take on, and they're going to go at your number 14 team. Um, so I think what my takeaway from this slide is just, uh, hey, Sac State's either going to be right or it's going to be really, really wrong depending how they play out. Love the UT Martin right here where it's like this is a team that should be aiming for that auto bit again. And holy moly, talk about an upset. Everybody, I did the playoff bracket challenge last year. Everybody in the world picked UT Martin to learn that lose that first round and they pulled it off. So, and hey man, to bounce off like what I said about Weber State, they're going to have to play UC Davis as well. And you're high on the Aggies this year. Um, I really like this range a lot more than I liked the last slide. Uh, I am not as high this year on you and I or Sac State, but we'll have to see how it lands. You and I, though, Jamie, you're smart. That That's like the safest top 25 pick somewhere in probably 11 to 25 history. So uh, I don't blame you for that one. Kyler, feedback, what do you think? Yeah, the few that I really like, right? UT Martin at 13, I have them at 13. So pretty good. We've had a lot of the same out of you know, our top 50, which is pretty surprising. Sac State, you put at 12, I put at 11. Villanova, you put at 11, I put at, my, at 9. So maybe I'm overranking them too, right? but we had the same mindset coming in. I don't really know what to do with Villanova. They could be the new cream of the crop of the CA. If you're the cream of the crop of the CA, you're going to be a top 10 team. I don't really know what to do with Villanova. I think the talent is there. The, the two I'm, you know, Northern Iowa. I don't like them in the top 15. I put them right at 25 because they are a tough team. But at the end of the day, Eastern Washington is not known for their physicality. We were bigger. We were stronger. We out-physicaled them everywhere on the on the field. So I just, when that's their number one trait, physicality, and that's not one of Eastern's traits, right? We're, we're known for our speed, spreading the field, and we out-UNI'd UNI. I just don't see them. Um, Weber State out-physicaled us, right? So that's going to be the difference. Troy Taylor with Sac State, this is his third year. He has turned that program around from zero wins to now back-to-back. -back. Now they have had weaker schedules, and it looks like they avoid Montana State this year, right? Unfortunately, until we get rid of a few more teams, that's what's going to happen in the big sky. But they know what to do in the regular season. This is finally Troy Taylor's third year. It's all of his roster, basically. Yes, last year he was dealing with two quarterbacks for the first few games because he didn't know who his quarterback was. He figured out one quarterback can run the shit out of the ball, the other one can throw. So he changed it into a two QB system and it worked for a lot of the time and his coaching. Sure. They lost to South Dakota state who, who predicted them to beat South Dakota state. No one outside of maybe Sac state. And yes, Sac state obliterated them in the first half. Then guess what? Troy Taylor and his staff figured out how to completely shut down South Dakota state in the whole second half. And they actually made it a game. So if, Troy Taylor is continuing to improve that program, continuing to get his own uh, players. And, you know, the school's backing them. They have fans now that are actually going to the game, 15,000 in some of those games, 18,000. They're getting close, right? So the good news is Sac State, they got an ESPN game. I think that that team is going to be ready. They probably should be improved. Um, I just don't like the UNI pick. And then I put UC Davis at 20. 
I like Dan Hawkins. He's one of the better coaches in the FCS. It's just I don't think he has the 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 talent compared to a lot of the other teams, right? Where a lot of the other teams we're talking about, I go, they have talent that is a top 10, top 15 caliber program. UC Davis, I th- kind of thinks the opposite. Their coaching staff is so good, their talent does not match up. Um, if you put Eastern Washington's talent made with Dan Hawkins, you're probably looking at a top five team just because Dan Hawkins is that good of a coach. The, the requirements to get into UC Davis are insane. They are basically an Ivy League team on the West Coast. They can't get some of the athletes that every other school can get. So I actually put them at 20 just because I do respect the hell out of Dan Hawkins. But when I look at the top five teams in the big sky and talent-wise, I don't think UC Davis matches up. Oh, it's right. going to be fun. Ready, Jamie? You ready for your top 10? I think we're about ready. Oh, boy. Here, Here comes the is. SFA shirt. What is Here going is to be SFA. revealed? I'm it's been edited to this point. We're going to show you guys the reveal. SFA. Jamie, he pops off the screen. And what is revealed for the bomb. apparel? Hope it, hope it's a oh, my gosh. He's wearing nothing. It's a lumberjack banana hammock. Look at that axe. There we go. I yeah. got it right again. The lumberjacks. I'm way too good at this. Rev, rev it up, Dustin. All Elton. right, let's let's start about our top ten. Here you go, man. Number ten, Number nice 10. and purple. Boom. Boom. Stephen and Austin lumberjacks. I think this is one of the more complete returning teams from last year. They didn't lose a lot, and they already have an excellent quarterback receiver combo. Yep. They've got a defense that's better than you think it is. Um, you, you think that they just oh they just play uh, shootout games, and they did play a shootout game against Incarnate Word. Um, but I, I have high hopes for this team this year. I've got them coming in at number 10. This could be one of those those dark horses that could make a real run. Um, thoughts on, on them at 10? Uh, yeah, I had them up in the number four slot. Uh, I, I put them in the playoffs in our last uh, podcast just for fun. It wasn't just for fun. I got a lot of high hopes on them. I looked at their statistical breakdown in terms of where they ranked last year, and I love their head coach. Um, and I think when you have a stud wide receiver like they have and you have good quarterback play with a ground game and a good defense, I mean, this is what am I saying? Everybody here watches football. They just have all the pieces. They have all the pieces. I guess your one argument would be like, well, they're not in the Valley or the CAA or some junk like that. Well, you know, why can't they make a run? Sam Houston made a run. They won a championship. You've seen plenty of quality teams get there. Jacksonville State uh, with the Gamecocks did it back in the day. So I like Stephen F. Austin. I like him a lot. And uh, I'd put him up a little higher, but I, I'd say number 10 is just fine, Jamie. So I'm really glad you have him at this range. I put them at 10. So I really am glad you are not Matthew Frazee and have them up any higher because they're not. They up. are number 10. They're going to have three losses on the season. It is what it is. Um, take that to the bank. Eight and three is really solid when you're playing basically three teams that are low tier G5 teams, right? Because um, I'm going to say Sam Houston is better than LA Tech. And I think Jacksonville State is probably just as good as Louisiana Tech. So you have, you know, three half G5 teams because maybe Louisiana Tech isn't real G- really G5. Uh, but I do think they're going to have three losses on the season, which guess what? That's solid. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be the the best team out of the whack that is actually playoff eligible. So yeah, number 10 is right. They're going to go first round, probably play someone from the Valley, someone from the big sky. We'll see. But yeah, yeah they'll, they'll play UT Martin win and then they'll beat Sac state easily. And then, uh, yeah, they'll just keep on rolling. It'll be good. All right, Jamie, who's number Let's nine? Roll on number nine. 
Oh, that looks kind of maroon. And ah. it is the Missouri State Bears. And if this team had any defense, they'd probably be at number five. But they hadn't had any defense, and Bobby Petrino keeps adding uh, transfers on the offensive side of the ball. Hopefully there's enough ball to go around. They have one of the contenders for uh, the Walter Payton, in my opinion, Jason Shelley at quarterback. Um, came in last year, did a really, really nice job. Um, I could definitely see this team um, challenging a lot of teams in the Valley if they can play any defense. Uh, where, you ha- where do you have them, Kyler? So I actually put them at seven. Not a big difference, right? Um, seven and nine is just give or take a few plays. Uh, and it's basically because I do have a lot of faith in Jason Shelley, have a lot of faith in their offense. But this is also Petrino's now third season, right? That weird COVID one. Maybe you can even say this is his second true season. And he's done amazing things with Missouri State, right? Their name used to be Missouri State. And just in a season and a half, he's already put them in the top 10 contention. He is not Paul. He is the better Petrino. He knows how to coach football. So he's been successful at every single program he's had. I think if Missouri State keeps it up, they are a true FBS power um that you know has a shot to move with all of their athletics so yeah i I like them i put them at seven i would take nine because their defense is a little lackluster but they should be solid yeah their interior offensive line was a big problem last year we'll see how that improves uh this season looking at their schedule uh should be very beneficial to them they avoid ndsu which is big they start at central arkansas um it's a rematch against ut marked in the next week there but they get south dakota state at home they get southern illinois at home um, they get Youngstown State at home, you know, at South Dakota could be a tough game, but really uh, it's going to be a tough schedule for them. So it's going to be tough for them to get a seed, I would say, unless they, you know, unless they're a lot better than I think they're going to be. But I like that you have them at number nine and I, I can see where that's an agreeable spot for them to start. So Jane, uh, he is off the screen, ladies and gentlemen. This could only mean Southern number, Illinois. You predicting Southern Illinois? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it's gotta be. It's gotta be Southern Illinois. Well, he doesn't have ETSU gear. That's true. And I don't think he has. Oh yeah, Sam Houston gear. Oh, Uh, I didn't think he did. All right, (laughs) all right. Going on here, guys, to number eight, and I can tell by the colors the Sam Houston Bearcats. Jamie, the floor is yours. Yes. Um. So this is where they would be if I was ranking them. Um, Obviously, they will not appear in the stats poll. Um, Still got a lot of talent there, but no Jaquez Ezzard, no Eric Schmid, no McCollum brothers. So uh, I know they added a lot of pieces and should be a really, really strong, solid team. But I'm going to have them coming in to start at number eight. Um, Really pains me to see uh, Casey Keeler moving on from the FCS, really. It does. Yeah, it's tough to go against Sam Houston. You're, but they do have a lot of turnover, man. Um, this is one where maybe I I may have almost flip-flopped the last two you had with Sam Houston here just because of maybe yeah, you got to have trust in recruiting, and obviously they have a great coach. But, you know, looking forward in projection, Missouri State and SFA might have a little bit more going for them than Sam Houston, who's going to lose quite a few guys kind of built up to that championship class and then brought it back because of the COVID year. So... Um, but it'll be interesting to see where they land. And of course it kind of stinks. You can't actually put them in the real poll. Kyler, you agree with, uh, Jamie here for the bear cats. Yeah. I actually put Sam Houston state at five, but I actually like your placement better than what I do. Um, they do lose key pieces, right? 
And I, I don't think the tap the level of talent is that much different from the top tier teams in the FCS, right? Um, so no, I actually I think I like your pick better than where I put Sam Houston. And that's rare for me to admit. So congrats. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, that is good, Jamie. Um, so congrats. You you outplayed Kyler, which is rare. And you ready for number seven, my man? Number seven, let's go. All right, here you go, number seven. Beautiful dark blue, a little yellow. East yep. Tennessee State, the Buccaneers. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get some uh, pushback on this, but I like this team still. I know Quay Holmes isn't there, but they do still have Jacob Sailors. We'll see how he does as the number one guy and what the drop-off is like from him to number two. I know a lot of people might not be as high on Tyler Rydell, but as a freshman, he led the SoCon in efficiency. 19 touchdowns, only four, maybe five interceptions. And when you have a freshman quarterback, you expect mistakes. And he limited his mistakes. Um, not a whole ton of firepower if they're going to play at NDSU, as we saw. But in the SOCON, what they do um, works just well, just as well. All the rest of their skill players on offense are back. Solid defense. Uh, the wild card is actually not on the field for me. It's on the sideline as Randy Sanders is retired and they hired George Quarles from uh, Furman. So we'll see uh, what this team looks like uh, under a new coaching regime, but I tend to like them. Uh, I might be eating crow at the end of the year, but I, I still like East Tennessee state. Yeah. I, I put them at 12. Um, I, I, you know, they lost their head coach, right? Um, they lost, in my opinion, the better running back out of the two. They were two headed monster. And I do think, yes, the good thing is because they were two headed monster, they have talent returning in the backfield. That's pretty rare. But I, you know, just like with South Dakota State, I do think when you lose your arguably better back, the reason why the other secondary running back was so good is because he actually got a rest a little bit, right? They're going to be leaning heavily on him, I would assume. And maybe I'm wrong to assume that. I put them at 12 because uh, I think if you can stop Sailors, you can stop their offense completely. Uh, that that is one thing I saw, but maybe with the new head coaching changes, maybe it's not. Maybe they're actually going to be improved because they do have some talent on there. But yeah, I I, I put them at twelve. Um, when you lose your head coach, you lose your best offensive player, and you don't have a history of being able to reload. Mm, I, I I don't know. I'm just not buying into it yet. I just don't know if they have to reload uh, unless I'm off on my count. I count eleven seniors that went off the roster last year. That is small. Uh, I think I remember when they were coming into NDSU, they had a crap ton of freshmen and sophomores, like an absolute ton of them. Mm -hmm. And then when I watched that game, now NDSU's game plan was super simplistic. But how much more complicated was NDSU's game plan against Montana State? Because they just manhandled Montana State in the, um, the front seven versus the offensive line in the Rams. And East Tennessee State held their own. And I made fun of East Tennessee State all week because of how small on paper their offensive line was or defensive line was compared to NDSU's offensive line and they more than held their own so maybe I'm biased because I'm impressed by that but the actual factual reason I like this pick is because of how much they bring back besides that running back besides the coach it is a lot of returning players that play really physical ball so I, I think they can win a lot of games. My only kickback on on that one with the comment is um you know when Montana State had their number one quarterback for that first drive. They had more yards than East Tennessee had in the whole first quarter, right? So, you know, it definitely changed when they put in a quarterback that was benched from a linebacker. 
right? Uh, then then NDSU just had to play the East Tennessee State game where we are just going to control the line of scrimmage because you have nothing else you can do. And yeah, but East, East, Tennessee State's def East Tennessee State's defense didn't let NDSU manhandle them at will. That's, you know, it's like, unless you want to say Montana State just gave up once their QB went down. Like, or you can say you know, NDSU was very comfortable that they could easily win this game since East Tennessee had no offense all game, at least, where they're like, maybe. we don't have to show our cards this early, right? NDSU has a, a little bit of a history of doing that where it is very simplistic until they go into the later rounds. I don't know. It, it didn't look too complicated in Frisco, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> Let's keep going here to number six. This is Jamie's uh, big reveal. So, Jamie, here you go. I'll let you say it. Number six here. Number six, yeah. The Iowa Hawkeye color is? Right. Kennesaw State. I, I like what they've done. I just wish they didn't run the triple option. There's so much talent there. The quarterback, Xavier Shepard, is awesome. I think if you let him throw the ball more, they would score more points. Let him run the whole offense, Trey Lance style. And I know they run a lot because of the triple option, but if they ran a normal-ish offense, this team could make life very difficult for some of those top teams. I, I, there's a lot of talent there. Coach Bohannon is a good coach. They're in a very fertile area, although very – uh, saturated area down in the Atlanta area, but good team. I, I think coming in at number six um, is solid for them. Um, looking to see them kind of run through their schedule this year. Yep. I have them at number six. I think outside of the big sky in Missouri Valley and maybe one CAA team um, who can shock everyone. I think they're the only other option for a non really big sky and Valley team to make it to the semis. Don't have faith in SFA competing with Kennesaw toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It would be a really good game, but I would lean towards Kennesaw on that one. As them at six, I think they're the only other semi-caliber finalist that's on not Big Sky or, CA or Missouri Valley. Yeah, if they don't get a, a, the miracle of ETSU's uh, win over them last year, again, we're talking about Kennesaw. Oh, Kennesaw just barely made the playoffs. Oh, should they be there? And then they get a playoff win. Like, that's just who they are. And uh, I, I like them in the top 10. I think that's a safe pick like you and I in the top 25. So well done, and I'm excited to see what your top five looks like here, Jamie. And uh, we have Jamie bouncing off the screen. Now it's Southern Illinois. Nah, is that going to be the prediction here? We have, or is he going to have you know, It's got to be, and I got We've it. We've got too. South Dakota State. We've got Montana State. Well, we I know Montana. he has South Dakota State at two because everyone does. North Dakota State. There we go. Yep. Number five. Fair. Southern Illinois, the Salukis, Jamie. Saluki. Yeah, I like Nick Baker. Um, I could see people potentially swapping Southern Illinois with Missouri State. I could see Southern Illinois a little, a little lower, but I, I like them. I think they have shown over the last couple of seasons that they are here to stay. Uh, they beat NDSU in the spring season. Um, didn't have as good a year in the fall, but I think, still think that's a really solid team. Um Got them coming in at number five. Uh, we'll see how they, they wind up, but I, I think this is easily a playoff team uh, that could make some noise. I think they have the prettiest pup in all of FCS Division One football. Look at that beautiful thing. It's got a mullet. Um, their uniforms are sharp. Those all whites with that logo. It looks good. I put them at eight, um, but I think, you know, top five is warranted. Uh, they, they have a lot of talent. We'll just see what they can do with it. But um, I, I still think, they struggle versus some of these larger defensive teams. Yes, they beat North Dakota State in the spring, 
Um, but they really didn't do much after that. So we'll see. I have them in eight, five. Who cares? It's close enough. They were both, both basically saying they are a seed to playoff caliber team anyway. And yeah, that's about where I have them. I got to, I got to question this one a little bit just cause, and here's the most uneducated questioning of all time. <laughs> Jamie's obviously researched. I, I honestly do not know this answer in terms of like Southern Illinois popped on the screen uh, on the big screen with during the Trey Lance year, they almost, they held NSU really well in the final week of the season. And everyone was like, they were the team that was scrubbed. And then 2020, they beat NSU in the spring. They do really well. They almost get SDSU in the quarterfinals, ultimately losing. And then 2021, everyone's super high in them and they have an okay, pretty good season enough to make the playoffs and NSU blast them in the Fargo dome. Is that talent back? Has it been recruited enough for them to be back in like top eight consideration? They I, most certainly could be, but like it was kind of like they were young in 2019 and it was just like this whole core just stuck together. Is it all back and will it all be here and will it all work out? And a tough, tough valley. That's my question. Jeremiah Rash, if you are listening to this, please uh, feel free to throw some comments out here. But I believe Avante Cox, their stud receiver, missed a chunk of time. So I think that hurts. Um, so they you know, piecemealed that together. Uh, Nick Baker, a little bit small for a quarterback. I know he beat out Stone Lebanovitz, who wound up just deciding to transfer after that. Um, I know that was controversial. Um, but Baker played okay and got a full year under his belt in that offense. So I, I think we'll see. We'll definitely see. I think it's a fair question to ask. Yeah, should be fun to see how it plays out. And let's keep this top five rolling, Jamie. And uh, we are prepping you for number four. And here we go. Some down in Frisco, the Montana State Bobcats. Number four, Jamie. I haven't seen some other teams uh yet so you might be making some folks mad what do you yeah. think here with montana state i think i just made half a state mad uh the boat the bozeman side I, I think i just made them mad but i i just i want to see how they bounce back they lost troy anderson they lose um mcpherson i think that was the receiver's name whatever it is the really solid receiver he's gone uh tommy mellett coming off of a, an injury in the national championship game that was literally just in january so eight months to recover um, so I think this is good. I think putting them at four is, is fine. I think they're still a good team. Um, but they really have to have to show that they, be, they can reload. They also lost Daniel Hardy on the defensive line. So, um, there's, there's some things to replace here. So that's why they are below a couple of these other teams that we'll see in a bit. Having the quarterback, having the coach, having some, you know, good old linemen is definitely going to help you out in the FCS. Um, I would have them just a little bit lower, but not too much, maybe a six or a seven range. But I love that you probably have their rival one or two spots ahead of them, especially with the transfers that have jumped in uh, up there with the Grizz and everything they're bringing back. We would need to know their quarterback situation as well. But really, it's choosing between the rivals here uh, near the end. Kyler, you're a big sky guy. What do you think? You have faith in Montana State again next year? I put them at four, but I don't have faith in them to you know, prove me right. If that makes sense. I actually think they're going to be quite a bit regressed from last year. Um, yes, that was a new coach. They were a very senior heavy team besides their quarterback. And I think the quarterback touchdown, Tommy, he may not even be the starter, but he is the type of quarterback. When I see him play, the more film you have on him, the more you're going to be able to, 
you know, figure him out. He doesn't have that strong of an arm. He's not that accurate. He is athletic. He can run. But after an injury, you don't know what you're going to be doing. Are you going to make those same shifts? Are you going to be able to run just as tough, right? An injury looms on people. We'll have to see. I hope nothing but the best for him. I hope he's healthy. But they lose almost all of their offensive linemen. They lose Dan Hardy. They lose Troy Anderson. Now they lose their, their leaders on the defensive side. They're best offensive player for a wide receiver. He was really their only offensive wide receiver weapon. Yes, I put him at four just because of who they are, the facilities, the coach, what they did last year. I, I said in one of our previous preseason episodes, if Montana State and Weber both make it to the playoffs, I would put all my money Weber State goes further than Montana State. I just think we are going to see a pretty big drop off from Montana State. It will be interesting to see how they play out. I'm I'm really interested to see, Jamie, where you go here, number three. Everybody knows the, the three teams that are left, but we'll kind of see where you go. Kyler predicts Montana. Oh, yeah. We'll have to see. I think it could be. Maybe it's the Bison. We'll have to see. Jamie, uh, here you go, my man. Let's go. Uh, number three, unless you're throwing us off with the colors, it certainly looks like the Montana Grizz. Tattoo-worthy right there. That's right. Uh, it is Montana. Um, I am happy to state that the last JMU victory as an FCS team was over Montana. So take that Grizz. But as much as I've clowned the Grizz over the years, because I just am not a fan. And I think I've said that plenty of times this team this year, that's a good team. Lots of transfers coming in, lots of returning players, Patrick O'Connell, Robbie Hawk, um, Marcus Knight back in the backfield. Uh, I think that's one of the more, understated uh, returns this year. Everybody's talking about touchdown Tommy, talking about Mark Gronowski. Knight at the backfield for Montana uh, is the big thing. And if we want a hot take, I think this is the team most likely to be on one of the two sidelines in Frisco versus the green and gold team. Ooh, I have to agree with you here. I think this is the biased Bison fan. The only teams that will make me a little fearful next year would be the Montana Grizzlies if they've got the QB situation figured out and South Dakota State. So I love them beating your top three. I don't think I'd elevate them quite in a preseason poll over South Dakota State, but uh, well said, well placed. And I don't have much more to add. I think the Grizz are going to be a scary team. Kyler, what do you think? Yeah, um, they suck. They're horrible. They should be <laughs> bottom 10. Uh, no, no, but realistically, they were an okay quarterback away from being a title contender last year, right? Not even a good quarterback. They were an okay quarterback away. Um, they brought in a transfer, a grad transfer, who actually had playing time at San Diego State, I believe. Um, he had a few good games versus some really good teams where he had like 400 yards, four touchdowns. You know, actually proven, not just a transfer who's never played. He actually had some playing time. Also, the return of Marcus Knight is huge. He didn't play all of last year. They were playing a freshman Half running back, he really isn't a running back, but they were putting him in the running back situation. But didn't Marcus Knight have like 26 touchdowns or 24 the year prior, like when he was actually playing in 2019? It's Bobby Houck's third season or fourth season back, something like that. He's getting the ball rolling. He's getting this green Grizz team ready. Um, they didn't lose much defensively, right? They didn't really lose key players offensively um, besides maybe – Sammy Akim and then Torre, he went to Nebraska and now he's an NFL guy. So they'll have to replace some wide receivers, but it's not like they were that dynamic last year anywhere. I'm, I'm more worried about their running back. They actually look like they may have a decent quarterback that actually entered the program. So yeah, Montana, I think they are going to 
most likely win the Big Sky. I put him at three as well. So I have no qualms. This is reality. We will see how the Grizz fare and if they can end up in Frisco, as Jamie said, could be possible. Looks like maybe one final wardrobe change here. Maybe he'll have two. Kyler Neal switching it up. There we go. Oh, my goodness. Am I on the Jackrabbit Illustrated podcast, which you can catch on FCS Fans Nation Network by subscribing to YouTube? Because, holy moly, is this Thumper? Is this Chad? Who am I looking at? Jamie and Kyler rocking rabbit hats right now. And here we go on the slides. Number two. No mystery here. Jamie, you're South Dakota State Jackrabbits. What do you think? This team does not have a hole. Uh, Pierre Strong in the NFL, Isaiah Davis, feature back, no issue. Tucker Craft, NFL caliber tight end. Yankee Twins, probably going to get drafted. Defense, Adam uh, Bach, and gosh, that, that's a tough team. I know I said Montana has the best shot, but if this team is in Frisco, that doesn't surprise me either. If they keep the marker, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, they've got to avoid losing that game that they shouldn't lose every year. Um, but this is a really strong team, and if there's any year that South Dakota State's going to get it done and uh, raise the trophy, it almost has to be this year. And I'll yeah. let you I'll let you do the closing statement, Matt, because you know them even better than us. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay. I think South Dakota State, all the talent they have in place, they are the team that is built to dethrone NDSU. Um, they are number two in mind. I think talent for talent, they're up there with everyone. They got Tucker Craft, huge. They got their quarterback back right from injury. We'll see if he's improved or if he takes a little bit of regress. But it seems like the quarterback play from South Dakota State has been good for a while. They have a strong running back core, great defense, great big lines. My only thing is, unfortunately, they are going to be on the opposite side. And I just don't see – I see South Dakota State being able to go toe-to-toe with North Dakota State. Or I don't see Montana being able to go toe-to-toe with North Dakota State but I don't see South Dakota State getting past Montana. So it's it's a weird style of games. So um, I do think they're the second best team out there. Unfortunately, they're probably just going to lose to Montana in the semifinals. This is the first time I actually genuinely believe NDSU and SDSU could match up in Frisco. It's always a fun talking point that's all over Twitter and Facebook. People love to throw it out there. And the reason I'm so high on that is the fact that SDSU, they have to replace a few offensive linemen, but there's such a deep, deep O-line. You have a steady coaching staff now. The offensive coordinator changes over is definitely interesting to me. But for what Jamie mentioned, you got two stud wide receivers, an NFL caliber uh, tight end. You've got a great running back. Mark Ronowski is a beast. I think he returns just fine from the injury. So the offense is going to be freakishly good. And that will, it within itself, will beat so many FCS teams. Nobody understands how good this front seven is. The front seven coming back is there's so many returning starters from last year, so much depth. And that's where it's like, okay, if the secondary is a little weaker, how good is a front seven in just the NFL? I mean, the NFL style of play and the higher end college teams don't value good safety play. Like you want one really stud corner, but it's the front seven, right? I think SDSU has everything available to them and then here's going to be the counterpunch. and thumper and others have said this a brutal schedule um they start at iowa they host uc davis um and then listen to this this is their valley play it's at missouri state at home against western illinois play their rival and good usd at home at north dakota state at und indiana state at northern iowa and with illinois state 
That is a road blast. So that's my only question is I think South Dakota State legitimately has such a great chance to play against NDSU and Frisco. I thought they did last year, but they had to travel a lot. Um, So if they lose one or two extra Valley games, let's say NDSU actually gets them this year, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. NDSU beats them in the dome and then they slip up again. What are the odds that they are seated higher than Montana or NDSU? Virtually none. And that's where things get interesting, right? But I will not deny that I easily think this is the number two team in the nation. I will fear them when they come to Fargo. And I, I respect the hell out of the friends and fans I have with there. And it'll be interesting to see how they play out. Heck of a roster for the Jackrabbits coming up. So, um, Jamie, you're popping off the screen. I don't know if this is much of a mystery in terms of who we're about to see at number one. Washington State dropping oh down, getting kicked out of the Pac-12. It was, it was UConn. UConn finally came down. <laughs> UConn finally came down. This is Kansas. UMass. There Gross. we go. Look at that. Shields. Yeah. <laughs> Learn we I taught all these guys about Shields down there in Frisco. And here we go. Number one, North Dakota State University, the Bison. Jamie, um, how do you feel about this Bison team this year? Um, you know, the, what can you say that hasn't already been said? And you'll notice I took the South Dakota State hat off because it just didn't feel right to have South Dakota State and North Dakota State on the same time. So I went back to the JMU hat. Uh, Destin Talbert, if you're listening, you still made a hell of a play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, what, what more can you say? This is the team until you knock them off. They are the top, and I'm sure they're ready for all challengers again. Um, I don't see any reason why we're not watching them in a Frisco again, but uh, we'll see how the season plays out. Yeah, it's it can't be overstated, this psychotic nature in terms of how last year was a vulnerability this year, they will return every single offensive lineman minus one player. Uh, their entire running back crew will come back. Hunter Lipke, technically a fullback. Cam Miller, quarterback, is going to be back in there. Expect Cole Payton to get into some of those packages that Quincy was in. Uh, wide receiver is the one question mark. You know, Do you have a Christian Watson type guy or at least somebody who can elevate? Uh, defensively, the entire secondary comes back. Uh the best recruited talent they've had on the D line will rotate in along with the linebacker position. Special teams is back. Entire coaching staff is back. So uh, it was not a good year to let NDSU win last year because they are completely loaded and we will see how it all plays out. So um, Kyler, any thoughts on the Bison, sir? I think uh, we talk about this program way too much. They're irrelevant. I don't know why we continue to prop them up like they've done anything in the FCS. Uh, no one knows who they are. They're from Canada. Just let's stop talking about this program. Uh, no, no, there's nothing to say. They're, they're the heavy favorites. I, I think when you're looking at this North Dakota State squad, I don't see how they lose. I, I mean, that that's the unfortunate thing because I want to see them lose. I don't think it's good for the FCS when you have this dominant of a program. Other people from North Dakota are going to say the complete opposite. They think it's great for the FCS. No, it's not. But they continue to get better. Their facilities continue to get better. They're building this $50 million domed practice facility. That's better than most people's stadiums. So at the end of the day, until they move up, North Dakota State is only going to get better and better, which is unfortunate for me. It's lovely for Matt. Jamie won't care anymore. He'll go, haha. at least we're up in the FBS where you're slackers in the FCS. But yeah, North Dakota State, um, I already put money on them to win. They're going to win. It is what it is. 
And the uh, in terms of getting a bye week for them, last thing I'll say is just Valley schedule at South Dakota, Youngstown bye. State at home, Indiana bye. State. Bye. South Dakota State at home. Bye. Then they play Illinois State, Western bye. Illinois, bye. Southern Illinois, bye. UND. Bye. Everyone's a bye for NDSU. <laughs> it's just an ins- insane how... Thumper and I have talked about this. SDSU and NDSU schedules are just opposite in terms of brutal and pretty, pretty uh, nice for a Valley team. So, uh, Jamie Williams, unbelievable that you have, um, before we get into this stuff, seriously, man, think about this. This guy's team is going to the FBS, James Madison, moving up, Sunbelt. So excited to see how your Duke, Duke dogs do. Um, and you put in this amount of research, this amount of time, you know, this many names, you know, this many programs, you know, players that are lost and who's coming back. I don't have that much memorization or time and passion. I know Kyler, he puts in a ton of effort, but nothing unmatched compared to yourself. Nerd. Just take a moment to take, uh, tell us a little bit about how excited you are still to be involved in the FCS, my man. Oh, absolutely. I've been involved in the FCS since 1998. And that's just not something you leave just because your team moves up. Um, lots of good teams. Um, sure. If there was no FCS fans nation, I would just be moving on and it would be what it is, but like, check out this group. We meet up in Frisco. We have a blast. Uh, love hanging out with you guys, whether it's on the podcast or in Frisco, which we're going to do again. Uh, you just don't throw those kind of friendships away and those kind of things like that. So I, I couldn't, uh, in good conscience, just leave. So here I am again. Um, and I appreciate Craig keeping me on. Uh, this year, um, I would love to hear the reaction from Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. Just drop a comment. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Uh, who am I sleeping on? No, don't say that because I'm sleeping on everybody but NDSU. I got it. Uh, so that does count. If you're, say, so you're sleeping on somebody, that is a lazy comment. So put some thought into it. But uh love to hear what everybody has to say. Uh, Thank you guys for sticking with us. I know this ran a little bit longer than we usually do, but we had 130 teams to talk about. So uh, here we go. Yeah, we're going to be off again until really things truly ramp up for us. I think we'll do our, uh, I guess it would be a two-year tradition, our over-under episode. We'll do some uh, betting, I think, to kind of introduce things in mid-August. So even though this was like a two-hour episode, you, you guys, you, you don't get us for the next few weeks. So there you go. But it is coming up here. We are only, we are literally 31 days from this recording away from FCS football kickoff, which is crazy. Um, I'm sure we've gone up a ton on YouTube subscriptions. And if you're watching on YouTube now, uh, just to expand a little bit as we are on our way to 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Uh, we were at 8.04 when we started this podcast. Contest time. We talked about this a little bit. We wanted to get to 800 subscribers on YouTube. That's about 200 up from 600 at the end of last season. Um, we wanted to get to a point where we could announce a contest where we gave away a lot of swag. So we are going to be giving away FCS apparel. Uh, could be mugs, could be hats, could be Christmas ornaments, could be anything. We're going to do that, I've decided, for every 40 subscribers on our way to 1,000. So once we hit 840, we're doing a giveaway. Once we hit 880, we're doing a giveaway. 920, 960, and 1,000. Heck, I might throw three, four prizes out there. And you have triple the amount, you have triple the chance to win if you are one of the subscribers within that 800 to 840 range or 841 to 880. So I'm going to be tracking that, watching the YouTube accounts that come in. 
So right now, pull up your YouTube app, search FCS Fans Nation Network, and just click the subscribe button. Even if you don't listen, if you get us to a thousand subscribers, it's going to help our podcast improve so much in terms of the unlocked abilities we get from YouTube to make this channel even better. We just do this for the fans and we would love the support guys. So that's the contest. Expect some swag and literally 36 subscribers away. So it should be fun. And we'll announce the winners on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, Jamie, this is your floor, man. 130 teams you ranked. Kyler and I here, we're just normal folks. Why don't you take us off for the evening and uh, have one final say, my man? Well, before we do that, Kyler, any closing thoughts, my friend? Nerd. Who does 130 teams? Not me. <laughs> Not me. Uh, no, so they, thanks, Jamie, for letting us rip apart in um, the, the amount of time you put in this, the thought process. You're just not listing teams to list them. You actually do a deep dive into every single team. So, I mean, if anyone is giving you crap, ask them to do better, right? I, I would put money. You're not going to see many better. So um, thanks for letting us, you know, pick apart this. Most people would hide this from everyone. Uh, you make it very vocal who you are voting for. And I love the transparency, but. Yep. Yeah. That's, there's no other way to do it. Uh, drives a lot of conversation, shows your integrity. And with that, we will close and we'll see you in a few weeks. And then after that, we'll look out for our new season coming uh, the week before the kickoffs. As we always say in our podcast, boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Bo. Perfect. That'll go well at the end. Good. <laughs>